Hey guys, it's Adam. I wanted to talk to you really quick about Buzzsprout. Um, Buzzsprout's a place where you can get your own podcast launched and you can start today for free. I recently started using Buzzsprout and I got to tell you, it's fantastic. I was moving my uh, podcast from one host to another and I ran into a little bit of a snag, but guess what? Buzzsprout had me covered. They helped me out. They interacted with me over email. It was almost real-time chat, and they got my problem solved within minutes. So you can't pay for better tech support. I think the thing is, with most companies, if you get a good place that has good customer service and good support, you can't go wrong there. And they make it easy. It's not hard when you have the right partners like that and the right support like that. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed, and you can join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get your message out into the world. So really, all you need is a quiet place, some gear you already have, like me, I'm using my phone right now and a, and a laptop, uh, and I'm getting this podcast out there, and I'm recording this, uh, this promo. So follow the link in the show notes, and that's going to let Buzzsprout know that I sent you. And if you sign up for a paid plan, it shows that you help support this podcast right here. I would really appreciate it. Hey, guys, thanks again. And back to the show. Hey, guys, it's Adam with another episode of the Casper Dog Training Podcast. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you haven't done it already, hey, why don't you go over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Adam Casper, all one word, and Send me some cash to buy me a coffee. Um, if you don't think of it as, as a coffee, maybe a glass of wine or, or beer or something. Um, but as we know, podcast is free and I'm trying to help you guys out, uh, pro bono style. Anyhow, today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about some of my dogs that I'm, uh, some of my clients' dogs that had the biggest issues and how we treated with them. And hopefully you could see some of this behaviors and stuff that your dog is experiencing and how we effectively dealt with it. Stuff like demand barking, uh, destructive behavior, um, jumping, counter surfing, uh, aggressive kind of behavior and things like that. So I, I think it's going to be pretty useful for you guys to hear about this and actually kind of get to know some of these dogs. Most of these dogs have made dramatic changes, and uh, I'm very happy at the progress that they made. I'm even happier at their, their their owners, and the dog owners really put in the work, and that's super important. As we know, with all kinds of dog training, you have to be consistent, you have to be predictable, you have to have something that the dog needs or wants and really get that dog's focus. But the main thing is, is you have to consistently put in the work. And even when someone is doing something a little bit incorrectly, or maybe their technique isn't perfect, they're still trying. And all these clients I'm talking about today, I'm not going to mention people's names, but um, they all get massive, massive uh, accolades from me because I'm very impressed at the turnaround of the dog, um, the commitment that the owners have had, and you know they they really are providing a better life for their dog. So here we go. The very first dog I want to talk about is a standard poodle named Bailey. She is a gorgeous standard poodle. She's about between nine and ten months now, and um, 
some of the issues she had. Number one that jumps off the page was impulse control. This dog could not focus on a single thing for more than a half a second. What I mean by this is she knew the word sit. She knew the command, but it was literally butt kisses the floor and she jumps back up. She was what I would categorize as far as dogs are concerned as a bully. Um, her poor mom or, <laughs> or owner, whatever you want to call it, um, got uh, inappropriately jumped on, bitten, uh, lots of mouthing, claw scratching, demand barking. Um, the dog would uh, go to the bathroom in the house. And we isolate a lot of problems, um, really, that stemmed from a lack of boundaries and a lack of actual, um, not necessarily consequences, but a lack of the dog knowing what they should do in certain circumstances to make them feel better. So what happened there was, initially, I, I met the family and I met Bailey, and Bailey jumped on me, she when I didn't look directly at her, she put her teeth on, on my arm and tried to mouth me um, to get my attention because she figured, I, I guess she learned um, that she can escalate the behavior. She can bark. That would get your attention. She could jump on you. That was another option. If that didn't work, well, teeth always did work. So what was pretty fascinating about that was I didn't respond to it. If anything, I have, uh, and, and you guys, you, you have to understand, um, the methods that I'm using to use what's called an adversive, something to, um, provide negative feedback for the dog, which isn't harmful, not painful in any way, um, not even traumatizing in any way. I use a, a, a canned air, uh, contraption called the pet corrector. All this is, is a spray can of compressed air that makes a hissing noise. The hissing noise, if done properly, timed well, can shock the dog or scare the dog or startle the dog just out of the behavior they're in, confuses them for a minute, and then you redirect them into a different behavior. So when doing this, it's pretty effective, but you have to have great timing. And, and what I'm referring to here is Bailey would jump and put her paws on me, and my hand is behind my back, finger on the trigger of the, the pet corrector spray, and I would spray it, it would just go really fast, and she would get startled. She looked confused, but would hit the floor, all four paws. And then I would look at her for literally a split second, put her into a sit position, and then reward her for that. But the reward that I was giving like in some of the other episodes where we talked about dogs that have a chronic jumping problem, I was giving the, the, the treats, the rewards, below my knees. So I would take my right hand, dip it into my treat pouch, and then go all the way down below my knee, and I would tell Bailey she's a good girl. So she would understand that the only way she's going to get this treat, the only way it elicited something I wanted, she got rewarded, but it always was going to come low. Now, you might ask, or, you know, uh, uh, I've had clients ask me this. They'd say, listen, did, did I just reward my dog for jumping on me? Because she knows, Bailey knows if she jumps on me, she puts her paws on me, 
that she's, she thinks she's doing something right. And then you just gave her a treat. That's not totally true. What happens is, is the dog's jumping on you and I hit the pet corrector spray and scare her or startle her or interrupt her rather. And she hits, she jumps down. And then immediately I ask for a sit, but I'm not even doing a verbal command. I'm just doing the hand gesture where my, if I'm standing straight up, let's say my left hand is all the way at my side, my palm is facing forward, and I just scoop up 90 degrees, so my elbow is at a 90 degrees, and get the dog to look up, and then their butt hits the floor. I'm actually rewarding for sit, not for jumping. It's the event that, in timing, the spray happens when paws are on my chest. The treat happens only when you're sitting and you accept the treat below my knee. This is a way of showing the dog very clearly, not this, that instead. And when you redirect in that fashion and you have a little bit of timing, uh, a, a little bit of timing you use, Moments matter. Slowing down matters, especially because a dog like Bailey was very, very almost frantic. So I've speculated why, why is this dog so frantic? Uh, you know, the, the family thought maybe they triggered it. And honestly, I think it's just how she came. Uh, dogs are individuals. So there are certain dogs that no matter what, they're completely chill and you really can't rile them up very easily. There's other dogs. All it takes is a leaf blows past your window and they're off. Uh, Somebody delivers a package across the street from your house and your dog sees it and she's barking. You walk into the room, make eye contact, and that means you're going to get teeth on your sweater and paws on your chest and, uh, you know, so on and so on. The thing is with Bailey is she didn't really have any proper boundaries, especially with the mom. And I felt really bad for the mom because she's a really, really cool, nice lady. Um, And she really wanted to do right by this dog. But a lot of times she was doing the wrong thing. And one of the wrong things was she was actually telling the dog multiple commands, just frantically saying words over and over again. So it'd be, Bailey, sit, no, down, stay, no, off, get out, lay down, go to your crate, no, no, sit, no, stop. So all that, very confusing for a dog because the dog is never getting a direct instruction. The dog's being flooded with information and it's all over the place. So it's like, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to sit? Do you want me to go to a crate? Do you want me to follow you? What do you want? And what we devised was some very, very um, subtle but non-starter boundaries. Whenever Bailey was, j- would jump up, she would get ignored. You know, the same things were working for every other dog. You fold your arms when the dog jumps on you. Turn your head. Roll the dog away from you. Roll your, your back so your, your back is facing the dog. Let the dog fall on the ground from, you know, their paws on you. And then when they hit the ground, you make them sit, you make them lay down and you reward them. So number one boundary I had to establish with this, this nice lady was Bailey is not allowed to jump on you. Jumping is for a a standard poodle 
um, she's getting to be a bigger dog. She's approaching 50 pounds. So uh, that's a lot of dog to be jumping on you. Totally unacceptable behavior um, for you in your own home, but very, very bad behavior outside of the home with strangers. So that was the first boundary. One of the other boundaries, um, I believe, was already in place, which was, you know, kind of in the in the wind column for us. Um, they already had her restrict re- restricted her movement. They put baby gates up, and they kept her in this kind of family room where they had uh, some some nice furniture, a fireplace, and a TV, and a nice window, um, and access to their backyard. So, um, this was uh, an appropriate area because. This particular room was just off of the kitchen and was adjacent to uh, their dining room where the the husband worked, uh, was working from home um, remotely. So the thing was is that Bailey also was a demand barker. So if she wanted attention, if she wanted food, if she wanted to go out, if she wanted to play, she would just bark obsessively. Over and over and over again. And she figured out the the correct note and pitch that would just seem like fingernails on a chalkboard for pretty much anyone that hears it. And what would happen is either the husband or the wife would cave in and give Bailey something or acknowledge Bailey. So Bailey knew all I have to do is I have to make this loud, annoying, annoying bark I keep at it, and eventually they're going to come and give me something. But it's probably never what she wanted because she didn't know what to what to ask for. So what we established there was obviously no one ever yells back to Bailey. And I'm pretty sure the initial reason why she started demand marking in the first place is that Bailey went bark, bark, bark. And somebody in the house said, Bailey, be quiet. Bark, bark, bark. Bailey, be quiet. Bark, bark, bark. Bailey, no more. And so on. With the man barking, there is an, uh, a podcast episode of that. If you would, uh, if you have a demand barker, definitely pause this, go over that episode, listen to that episode, because a lot of what I'm talking about there is actually Bailey, is, is actually the dog that barks incessantly and tries to get what they want. And for the most part, the people are just literally throwing as much stuff at the problem as possible. Do you want a toy? Do you want food? Do you need more water? Do you want to go outside? Here's a toy. You want to play? Here's a sandwich. I'll let you out. You jumped on me. You bit me. Okay. You got attention for a little while and that's it. So what we ended up doing, um, obviously Bailey never got attention for, for demand barking, but now that we've established some sort of ground rules of Bailey's not allowed to jump on you. Um, in place of that, when she did make her mistake and fail and jump up, she was directed into the behavior we wanted. And I thought one of the most appropriate things to do with this dog, since the demand barking was an issue, is engage her. Engage her, uh, even though she's asking for attention, engage her appropriately. So she's barking at you. I literally had the owners w- look at the dog. She barks and look away. And then as soon as she's quiet, even for a split second, have a treat ready and stuff it in her mouth. High value treat. What we're rewarding for is silence. So Bailey, bark, 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 
would be rewarded for silence. So that really wasn't terribly effective because this behavior was so ingrained with Bailey that she figured it was her answer. It was her answer to anything. Anytime she was confused, she barked. Anytime she was bored, she barked. Anytime she was hungry, she barked. Anytime she wanted to go out, you get the point. And she would bark whether they were home or not. It didn't matter. So in this kind of extreme case where they didn't have any kind of peace in their home whatsoever, and we tried doing the normal stuff, ignoring and all that, um, we sat down, we talked about it, and we got her what's called a bark collar. And I know some of you are cringing right now. The bark collar that we got was a vibrate function only. The idea was very similar to the pet corrector spray that when she would break this household boundary, this rule, a mild correction would be headed her way. So those of you that don't know, bark collars are very effective um, in certain instances. They're not being used as punishment because the reality is, is that dog Bailey was punishing everyone in her house and was never stopping. So I know some of you might say, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's 10 other things you can do. Agreed. There are a lot of other things you can do. But when the problem is so bad that you either A, want to get rid of the dog, which that's that's a non-starter for me. You, uh, you went out, you selected a dog, you bought it from a breeder. There's nothing physically or medically wrong with the dog. There's no reason for the dog to, to leave that home. It's your dog. You train it. So the training doesn't necessarily mean that everything has to be attention, affection, praise, food rewards, or play. At some point, the dog has to understand that there's consequences for their actions, just like humans do. If you don't get a traffic ticket or parking ticket for violating rules, then you don't feel that there's any consequences. Therefore, you're willing to take risks and break other rules and other laws and other regulations. So there has to be a boundary. And really, these people didn't have a peaceful home life anymore. I'm willing to bet that their relationship, the two humans in the house, probably struggled a little bit because all the time the dog is barking. And when I say all the time, my first training session with them, I actually left there with a sore throat because I was yelling over the sound of the dog in a separate part of the house. She was extremely loud. So this bark collar uh, was a good tool. I do not recommend them for most people. But in this case, this was something that I thought was effective and appropriate. And bottom line, we made sure it was fitted properly. We made sure it was tuned properly to her. We made sure that she didn't feel distressed. She didn't feel uh, panicked, upset. Um, and I watched her body language. When we put it on her, I watched her when it uh, corrected her. Yep, they do react like, what What was that? It's almost like they 
uh, you, like they're swatting away an insect. It's kind of like how humans would, you know, hear a, a bee buzzing by their head and they'd swat or they jerk their head to the side. Bailey did the same things. But very quickly, she habituated to it. She was okay with the color being on her neck. But the thing was, is that when we went in the other room and Bailey could see us and she barked at us, the vibration happened. Now, the intensity of the vibration, for those of you that don't know or haven't used one or you're just hearing this for the first time, it's actually the same level of intensity as your cell phone vibrates when you have it on silent. So if the if if the debate comes our way, well, you're using some punishment techniques and that's cruel. I really don't feel it's cruel because there is no damage. The dog's not scarred psychologically, physically in any way. It's a very mild form of a punishment. And just like the pet corrector spray, it's something that startles them in that one moment, snaps them out of it. And if you, the human trainer or the human owner, who's also the trainer, redirects the dog in a behavior that's that's appropriate, the barking behavior will go to what's considered in, in training circles to extinction. It'll become a... a um, for the purpose that the dog was barking, it'll become a useless gesture because it never rewards. It doesn't work effectively, but it doesn't stop the dog from being a dog. When you take the collar off and the dog sees a squirrel run across the yard and barks at it, there is no correction. They they might in the house, in the context of looking at their human, trying to get attention, the association with a conditioned response. I bark. He gets up, gives me a bone. So I'm quiet for five minutes and I just wanted a bone. So I barked and got that. Guess what? You have a little tyrant in your house and something needs to change. And the way you change it is by doing exactly this. So this is a tool that you really don't need to use a whole heck of a lot, but it's very, very effective. And we found it to be very effective and we continue to use it for a while. We're about to fade it, fade it out. So, Bailey had two things that we were able to cross off the list. One was uh, jumping. The other was the uh, demand barking. And we also had this problem of overexcitement, um, rough play, if you will, with the, the, the mom... And um, that usually kind of evolved or, or devolved into um, Bailey jumping, using her teeth, mouthing, biting, um, and actually causing injury, um, overexcitement. So impulse control. Yep, ladies and gentlemen, we did lots of leave it. We did it lots of different ways. We did it in our hand. We did it um, with a treat on the floor and cover it with your foot. Um, revealing it when she uh, stepped back and looked at you. Um, we did lots of focus drills. Um, we had to give her the idea that if she's looking at us, she's not barking at us, and she's not being a bully, she's not physically trying to do something to us, that that will be far more rewarding. So over the course of really just a couple of weeks, we had effectively halted um, the barking behavior with the help of the, the, um, the bark collar. Um, we 
definitely made a lot of progress with jumping because um, she didn't like the pet corrector sound. Um, and uh, she started to feel that the the jumping was, was pointless. About the only times it, it occurred was when she was super excited. And usually that came by way of play and would, um, like I said, devolve into, you know, eventually teeth going on, on the, 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 the wife in the house. So when we wanted to stop play or divert, one of the things we decided to do was use the crate. Um, as place training. So if Bailey was overly excited, um, we're not punishing her by putting her in the crate, but we were showing her that we would reward her if she, the command sequence was Bailey leave it and then crate. And then she would go into the crate, then it was down and she would lay down and we would take our time, slowly dispense a reward for that. And it was a food-based reward, high value. Um, What we were using there was freeze-dried liver. Um, So she found that rewarding. What we started to do is if any of those uh, bully behaviors, the the jumping, the clawing, the, the mouthing, the demand barking, resulted in Bailey ending back up in the crate, laying down, and then got rewarded for calmer behavior. Over the course of a a, a week or two, there was kind of a shift where Bailey started understanding that if she wanted attention, there were several ways she could do it. And one of the ways was duck into your crate and lay down and look. Look for mom, look for dad, and accept your reward, which she did. And when that was rewarded heavily and praised heavily, but in a very calm manner, we were never over the top. Good girl. Way to go. We were always good girl, Bailey. Good job. And nice and slow and got her treats. We were using uh, what's called a continuation marker where we were saying we wanted her to continue doing what she was doing. So usually uh, one of the, 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 command, uh, I'm sorry, the reward, not reward, (laughs) continuation markers that I was doing was I would say good, but I wouldn't say it like that. I would say good, good girl, good. And you repeat that because it's soothing. But while I'm doing that, I'm giving tiny rewards about the size of a pea. And that freeze-dried liver, guys, works. It's excellent. It's one ingredient. It's more healthy than most treats that you buy at a pet store, and um, dogs love it. So that's kind of where we were with Bailey. We, we've gotten much, much further. Um, we're now doing guided heels uh, and leash skills. We did recall. Um, she has a very good recall now. And like I said, she's actually adapted to that there's alternate behaviors. She still catches herself sometimes. So some of these behaviors, they don't go away overnight and they work for her most of the time and throughout her life. So if she's only nine nine months to 12 months old, she has a very limited experience in the world. And, you know, coming just out of COVID quarantines, people working from home, not much socialization going on as far as people having friends over. 
Bailey was at a disadvantage. She didn't have a very wide scope of interactions with humans. And the ones she had with the ones that were closest to her were negative. I mean, they were negative in the sense that the humans weren't happy. And Bailey arguably probably wasn't happy either because she was constantly confused, always trying what she thought was effective, but was getting rejected and really wasn't being enjoyed. And she didn't enjoy her her life. So that's kind of where we'll leave off with with Bailey. Bailey is uh, is, is doing amazing. I'm very very proud of uh, of her owners. They've been they've been doing an amazing job and really putting in the work. So I want to talk about another dog really quick. Fascinating dog too. Uh, it's a little dog. Um, so uh, I'm sorry. I have to pull up my notes here. He's a Pomeranian named Sushi Roll. Sushi is uh, a very good-looking guy. He's a uh, he, he's a um, long-haired uh, Pomeranian, and uh, he definitely has a big ish issue here. He doesn't like meeting new people, and he has a pretty mean mean streak of resource guarding. So certain bones that the family would give him that he would protect and fight to the death to, to keep that. The other thing is, is that his issues meeting with people was aggressive and borderline resource guarding either the, uh, the property that he was at, the home, um, or the humans. So it's kind of like a, a bad situation in a lot of different ways. So straight away when I met Sushi, since he's actually a year and a half old, so he went through COVID, um, quarantine, and um, then things started to open up again. But his family um, have a very unique job. They they um, uh, they worked in a funeral home uh, here in New Jersey, and um, Sushi was kind of being moved back and forth from. Uh, the, the parents' house, um, parents, I mean the humans, because uh, it's a younger couple that, that own sushi. Uh, so it's either the parents' house, the owner's house, or the funeral home, which is also like an office slash chapel church. Um, and you, you guys know what I'm talking about. But I think Sushi thought he owned every piece of property he ever set foot in. And um, he was also not confident that his family was going to be protecting him and keeping his uh, him safe. So I guess he took it upon himself to be a bully, be scary, show teeth, growl, bark, lunge, and chase bad guys away. Um, and if, God forbid, they tried to take his favorite bone, um, they would, you know, he would give them peace of their mind and definitely show teeth and use them. Uh, he's very quick. He's very smart. He's, uh, like I said, he's a good looking dog. So most people want to, want to pet him. And then they see the teeth and it, it, it's not good. So immediately when I met this dog, we met on a new, neutral location. Well, not neutral, but it was at the end of their, their, uh, their driveway on their property. And, uh, I had the owner keep sushi on a long leash and all I did was have go to the end of the leash so the dog couldn't touch me, but I, I would drop treats um, around him. And anytime he looked at me, I'd give him a treat. And uh, slowly I closed the gap. Instead of dropping treats, I put my hand down um, and I allowed him to take the treat from my hand. He was uh, 
he was mouthy. He was he he, he had uh, what I would call a hard mouth. Um, his a uh, lot of teeth. He really wasn't very careful around my hands. So mission number one: teach his Sushi's mom and dad how to desensitize the dog to human skin. So what we do is like if I'm going to tell anybody how to give a treat, I would never tell them to grab the treat with their thumb and index finger and pinch it. Because what you're doing is you're giving a nail sandwich to a dog that bites. You have a nail on top, a nail on bottom, and you're going to stick that in the sharpest, uh, the hardest part of the dog. It's a bad idea. So most people, I would tell, give the dog a treat in the palm of your hand and make your hand into kind of a bowl shape. If it's a bowl shape, the dog, their nose, their, their the bottom of their chin will hit your, your hand and... Um, the teeth won't be a factor. Also, you can guide the treat and almost have the treat fall into the dog's mouth. Um, but the way to desensitize that, I had the again, Sushi's mom and dad take a big treat and put their thumb over it, but their hands in a bowl shape. So they had to have Sushi eat around their thumb. Um, this was pretty successful. We also immediately taught Sushi... An emergency recall. The The game I use is called Touch. I think if you've lo- listened to this podcast once or twice, you've probably heard this command. Uh, all my clients are familiar with it. So the way that works is I say the dog's name. I put my hand down basically at knee level. Uh, so right hand, left hand, irrelevant. I have a treat in that hand. I say dog's name, sushi, touch, and I run backwards. I take a couple steps animated. It's engaging for the dog. The dog chases you. They bump their nose against your hand. You give them the treat, and then with your other hand, you start petting them in the collar area or wherever their harness is so you can secure them. It's an emergency recall. It's a very effective way to get the dog to come back to you. But what I was doing this for was that the mom would engage Sushi and get him to come back. We also did a heavy dose of impulse control in various different ways of leave it, getting the dog to understand I can't take that because the human said so. Look at me and you'll get a reward. So the way the sequence was working was Sushi decides he wants to defend the house for his honor or whatever. It's Sushi. Leave it. The dog turns, looks at you. Yes. Good boy. Sushi touch. Then you start moving away from that stimuli. The dog comes. You reward it. You praise him and you move on. Basically, the dog forgets what's going on. So that was a big, big difference for for Sushi because Sushi started realizing if I see people and I bark and I'm excited, that's fine. But if I go to the red zone, mom always calls me back. And in a way, the dog's giving what's called a cutoff cue to the other human or the other human with the dog. So literally turning his back saying, I don't find you as a threat, but I got to go do something over here, which is more important. And that more important thing is disengage from the person you're confronting, come to me, watch what I want you to do, and get rewarded for that. So totally appropriate behavior. Over time, though, and when I say time, literally two or three training sessions, the dog full on understood. See my new friend. I'm not going to bark. When I'm confused, or when I feel like I want to bark, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to go back to mom and mom's going to give me a reward. 
So this has worked worked out really well. And this went through not just the human uh, family, but it was also the, the, the human's parents. So again, this is a family business and they all work at the same place. And Sushi goes there with, you know, as the family dog. Um, but Sushi had to understand that there are some boundaries here. And we just started working on the resource guarding issue. Very similar. We were getting the dog to recall. Um, or we started playing a game, which I like to, to use uh, for dogs with resource guarding. You have two like objects. Um, the dog has one of them. Let's say it's a ball. And you tell the dog, drop it. And then the dog drops the ball, even incidentally, accidentally. You fire the other ball or throw the ball right at the dog's feet to the left or the right side of the dog. The dog chases that and you retrieve the original ball. So what you're doing there is saying, I'll trade you this for that. But the only rules of this game are you have to open your mouth. That ball or object has to fall out. And when it does, I'm going to reward you by continuing to play with you. So it's a modified version of fetch. It's very effective, and we have seen that Sushi will relinquish his prize bone so we can retrieve it, and he's getting better at that as we speak. So um, so for right now, guys, this is the update I have for just these two clients, these two clients, these two special dogs, uh, Bailey and Sushi. I'm going to be seeing them uh, this week and next week. Um, they're, again making tremendous progress and I couldn't be happier with the two of them. Their families are doing doing the work, they're putting in the job, putting in the time and actually following through with this stuff. So where we stand, we have a, a standard poodle which was basically a family at their wits end. They were ready to get rid of the dog. I know they weren't going to, but they I'm sure they felt that way. Now that dog um, does the touch command does leave it, does drop it, goes to crate on demand, lays down, watches me when when you ask her to, um, will walk on the leash, will heal, and is doing really, really well. Sushi, on the other hand, was relinquishing his prized bones and other objects, toys and the like. Stop, he stopped engaging every single stranger. And when he did and kind of fell out of line... His family knew what to do, got to recall him, told him to leave it. He's using his impulse control, and I think we're going on our second or third training session, and the dog's doing really well. Very proud of everybody involved. So, guys, hopefully you heard a couple things here that you might make use of in your own dog. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that would be great is if you are in the New York, New Jersey area, and you needed help, and you're looking to this podcast for help, I know I can get you there a little bit faster in person. So reach out to me on my webpage, and I will definitely help you out. Uh, we can either do online training or we can do in-person training. At the end of the day, though, um, you have to be consistent. You have to use the right tools, and um, you have to give lots of treats for a little while. So thank you all for listening. Take care, and wherever you are, be safe. Stay clean, wash your hands, and uh, be well. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>